0: Thanks for listening, and I hope you will be inspired. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Women. And today we're speaking with Amy Christensen, and I am so pleased that she's here today. Amy's a partner and a founding member of the Vistria Group, which is a Chicago-based middle market private equity firm. They invest in healthcare, education, financial services company. Now, Amy is responsible for the healthcare portfolio. So she works the deals, finds the companies, and does every aspect of that. She's on the boards of several companies, including behavioral health groups, Supplemental Health Care, Cairo-on Wellness Centers, and has been on the boards of other companies that she's invested in. Amy has experience in other investment firms. She has experience as a consultant, her MBA from Chicago Booth Business School, as well as of, um, from Northwestern. And Amy, thank you so much for joining us today. Well,
1: thank you for having me. I love what you're doing, and I've really enjoyed listening to the interviews you've had so far, so I'm excited to be here.
0: Well, you are yet one more inspiring woman, and I am really excited about having this conversation, but let's just get started. What are you focused on right now? What do you do day to day?
1: Well, as you said, I'm um, one of the partners on our healthcare team at Vistria, and so I focus exclusively on investments into healthcare services companies, and I've been recently spending a lot of time with companies that are in the behavioral health space as well as the women's health space So really big, broad sectors of the healthcare ecosystem, which have just a lot of interesting trends and trajectories. So that's where I spend a lot of my time.
0: Well, great. So that's, um, and that comes from a background of doing investing. So you're skilled um, in this field and Vistria has been around for a little bit, but you are one of the founding members of Vistria. And just if you look at the background of the site, there's clearly what comes across is a level of pride in the diversity of leadership and membership of the people who run the Vistria group. So just tell us why that's important and why was that important for when you founded Vistria?
1: Yeah. Well, when I boil down you know, what we do in private equity, I'd say a critical piece of our business is making decisions. We decide uh, which subsectors to invest in. We decide which companies to invest in, which management teams to back, what the strategies should be. And so in decision-making science, um, the data clearly indicates that getting diversity of perspectives leads to better decisions. It doesn't say it leads to quicker decisions uh, or easier decisions, but it does lead to better ones. So our belief has always been that if we bring smart people to the table who bring their unique set of background and expertise, we should have a higher probability of being really good at investing. And that just makes sense to us. So I think for some people, it's a check the box exercise when you talk about diversity, but for us, it's just good business.
0: Well, that's great to hear. There's been so much discussion over years now in terms of women in leadership and now women on boards, women at the top of companies, and Vistria being a firm that takes that very seriously. It's also notable that you're one female of 11 partners um, of the organization. I'm assuming that that sometimes is um, an advantage for you, but sometimes a challenge. Maybe just talk a little bit about what it's like to be that you know, leading voice. With that understanding of how important it is to have women at the table?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I'm really fortunate in that, you know, as it relates to my internal team, I don't think my gender has been too much of a challenge, but that's because I joined a group of people that believed what makes me different, my gender included, um, and all of my other unique qualities sort of makes me unique and makes me valuable along with all the other people at the table. And so I think throughout my career, I've I've chosen to work with people and in cultures where I felt like my gender wouldn't hold me back from being able to accomplish what I wanted to accomplish. And I also joined Vistria at a time, as you said, at the ground floor where we were all kind of in it together. And so everybody was rowing in the same direction. And fighting day to day. And I think that creates a real, a real bond, which is helpful. So I I tell people and, and women in particular to pay very close attention to the people that you're choosing to work with. Sometimes I think it's hard to know what you're getting into, but I think women have really good intuition as it relates to people who might be saying one thing, but you get the sense that they don't really believe it. I've always paid attention to that intuition and I encourage women to do the same. Now, that said, external to my firm, you know, I'm also usually the only woman in a room or one of very few women in a room. And that I, I don't want to paint the picture that that's always easy. It does come with some challenges. And the the advice I got really early on, uh, someone said to me, Amy, because you're the only woman in the room, people will remember what you say. So if you say something smart, they'll remember it. And if you say something stupid, they'll remember it. So you better make sure you say something smart. Now, I think that advice was probably overkill um, to some extent, but it caused me to think really hard about what I was going to say in the meeting. It made me prepare and probably in some cases over-prepare for meetings. And I think the effect that that had was that when I went into a room, I often had an informed opinion when I spoke. I was more concise because I had thought about what I was going to say before I said it um, versus kind of rambling off the cuff. And it gave me a lot of confidence in what I was going to say, which I which I think was just a really nice byproduct of the preparation. So we all know kind of what you say and how you say it goes hand in hand. And so I think that that piece of advice that I had early on was important. And I do think as a woman, you know, you've got to be thoughtful about what it is you say and how you say it.
0: Well, I also appreciate you drawing out that there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. So the the extra preparation, which gives you the confidence, is excellent, but also feeling a bit of pressure of being a one of few or a one of one, um, just adds to the need to do those extra things. So those are really great advice um, in there, Amy. In the world of investing, as you look at companies, as you, I'm sure certain the investment markets are very frothy right now. How do you look at companies? Do you how do you look at their management teams? How do you look at the diversity across the boards? And what advice do you give companies? Do you rule out companies because of what you see? How do you think about that?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I think we've been really fortunate to invest behind companies where we have shared values and similar cultures. That's really important to us. And I think the great companies that we invest behind, they understand that diversity is important. They understand it's a competitive advantage. They understand that they need to be thinking that way in order to sort of recruit and retain the best and the brightest and when we're talking about healthcare services companies in particular if you're a healthcare provider You know that you need to have representation of the patients that you're serving in your management team to sort of reflect their unique challenges and their unique thoughts and perspectives. So again, I think it goes back to the people who really get diversity, understand that it's good for business. It's not just a check the box. And so we really look for that in the companies that we invest behind to make sure that there's a shared sense of culture and values.
0: Well, it also seems to be um, changing, but not changing fast enough. I mean, the studies that are coming out are women are not making the progress that they want to be, or in terms of really you know, providing that business value. And I'm glad that you're underscoring that point. It's still not fast enough. So you've mentioned to me before in different conversations that you're really trying to build out your women's network, um, being someone who appreciates the importance of having women around the table. So can you tell us about that network building and- How you are helping other women sort of get seats at the table, and why, and just you know why that's so important to make those connections.
1: Yeah, so I realized probably a couple of years ago I was putting together a board of directors for one of our portfolio companies, and a lot of the people who were coming to mind were white men, and these are fantastic men. They are smart, they are thoughtful, they are accomplished executives, and they're wonderful, but they were all men. And I had to take a hard look at my own network and say, well, that's a little bit strange. Why is my network all men? And it was because as I looked back, you know, these Fantastic men who I had gotten to know referred me to other fantastic men and it wasn't malicious and there was no mal intent. It just kind of was happenstance that, that those were the people they knew and those were the people they introduced me to. And so I thought, gosh, I've got to really be focused on how to expand my own network and create diversity within my own network because I'm clearly, I'm clearly missing the mark and I'm clearly missing valuable insight that I could be getting. And so, you know, I connected with you and you connected me with Dr. Levy and other great women. And that's kind of how networking works, right? You, you have one great conversation with a really accomplished executive and they refer you to another accomplished executive and it sort of builds on itself. And so that's, the mission that I've been on um, over the last couple of years is just how do we continue to build that network of relationships, not only just for the boards that I'm building at Vistria and the boards that my partners are building at Bistria. we are all dedicated to, to this perspective, but how do you create a, a network of women that can talk to one another and how can, I, can, how, how can I be a connector of women to other women that might be helpful for something completely independent of Vistria or completely independent of board work um, So that it's this self-fulfilling sustainable network, you know in and of itself And I and I do still believe you know that diversity matters I don't think just having a network of women is the answer I think you need both men and women at that table But there are certainly things that I've been able to talk with women about who I haven't been able to talk with men about and vice versa And so I think that's the beauty of creating a diverse network is that you have many people to go to for various things and different topics and challenges that come up.
0: Well, you're speaking to why it's important to consciously focus on building your network and to build your own personal network that has a diversity of um, people, influencers, et cetera. But just to get into that a little bit more, Amy, I mean, most people, it's hard and we're in a virtual environment. So what advice do you have for people, maybe not who are as, as accomplished as you, but who are more at the aspiring level or trying to promote themselves in their career? What, how, how should they go about building their network?
1: I think part of the game is just starting, <laughs> start somewhere. <laughs> and I think there's a concept of saying yes, I did that really early in my career. It just said yes. If I got an invitation somewhere, if I got invited on to do a challenging project. Um, if there was a place where I could get to know people I wouldn't otherwise get to know, I just said yes. And so it's starting somewhere and, and really that's anywhere. And I think that when you start somewhere you, you then get another connection and another connection and another connection. So the favorite thing that I always ask people when I'm leaving a call or leaving a meeting is, hey, do you think there's anybody else that I should be connecting with to talk about XYZ topic? And, you know, nine times out of 10, someone says, yeah, you know, you really should talk to so-and-so. And so not every conversation you have is going to be, you know, the right person for the right thing that you needed at that particular time. But what happens is over the long period of time, you end up with this network of relationships and then and the great resource of relationships to draw on that might not have been relevant you know at the time that you were having the conversation but may be relevant two years down the line and then i'd say the last piece of advice that i got that i really try to put into effect is that networking is not about what you get out of the situation it's you've got to think about networking in terms of what you can give and as long as you're giving a lot, you're bound to get something back in return. But I don't think you can approach it as, you know, I'm going to network with so-and-so because I want to get something. I, I view it much more as how can I connect somebody with somebody else that there might be some valuable connection in there, in there for them, um, but not necessarily for me. And that tends to, I have found at least, that tends to be the more successful way to build a network versus trying to think like, what am I going to get out of it?
0: Well, that's such good advice, and it's also really accessible, in particular for women. The giving part of doing networking—it's not just something to promote yourselves, but yourself, but it's also a way to give um, to others at any stage of your career. So, I really appreciate those insights. Now, Amy, just last year, you've been named one of private equity's most influential women of today and tomorrow so first of all congratulations that's quite the accolade and confident that it is a very well-deserved accolade as you think about that and you know how people promote themselves that's often a topic that women talk about that's difficult for them so first of all again congratulations and how do you use that to promote yourself as you look to just build your own network aspire in the work that you do
1: well, thank you. I'm not sure that I have great advice on self-promotion, but <laughs> what I will say is I do try to take the opportunity when available to just share my own story. And I think that's why your podcast is so important. It's really important for women to see other women reflected in the conversation and reflected in a way that you can say, gosh, my background is kind of like that. If she can do it, maybe I can do it too. I think there's truth. And I think there's value, I should say, in being truthfully depicted in the world. And so I've often taken those opportunities, not because it's the most comfortable thing for me to do, but because I think it's really important. And I know when I was growing up in private equity, there were other women partners that were out there. I just didn't know about them. You know, I never heard about them. I never saw a story written about them. And it would have meant a lot to me to see somebody who looked like me in the position that I ultimately wanted to be in and, you know, certainly to call them up and ask them for their advice or their perspective. So I think there's a responsibility inherent, you know, when when each of us is on our journey or gets to the the place that we wanted to be, I think it's incumbent on us to sort of turn around and turn back and say, okay, who are the other women or who are the other people in the next generation that I can kind of pull up behind me too.
0: And there's also a lot of women who think a lot about mentors and coaches and sponsors. And so along the way, being as successful as you are, Amy, have you had mentors that you've either sought out or are your trusted go-to sources to give you the best advice as you move forward?
1: I've certainly had mentors and many of my mentors have been men, you know, and so I, I say that to a lot of women, too. You know, it doesn't you don't need to just have a woman mentor, although it can come in handy. <laughs> um, but I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by men who believed in me and were willing and wanting to be helpful to me. Um, I think those relationships develop naturally and develop over time. So I can remember being a young woman and thinking like, gosh, how do I get a mentor? I wish I could sign up to some email, you know, and and get a mentor. And it unfortunately doesn't work that way. Um, It works from building relationships with people over time. And so I think a big part of that That I talk with women about is developing opportunities and creating opportunities for someone to meet with you outside of the office outside of a work environment and really get to know you and get to know how likable you are, because we know that. Likeability and competence go hand in hand when we're talking about promotion and advancing in your career. And so you absolutely have to be competent. That's table stakes. You have to know your stuff. You have to be well informed and do your job and work hard. But I think sometimes women overweight that And forget a little bit about the fact that you also have to be really likable. And in order for people to know how likable you are, you have to create those windows of opportunity to get to know people outside of work and and form some of those bonds. And that can be challenging, but it's really important to do.
0: There's so much packed in there in terms of, again, great tips, great advice, very accessible um, insights for other women. One thing I did want to ask you about, though, you are an expert negotiator. You've closed many deals, transactions, um, and the like, but women often struggle with negotiating for themselves. So, what are your thoughts there? What advice might you give there?
1: That's a, that's a, Unique question in that it's unique, I think, to every single circumstance you're in. And so I think regardless of the negotiation, you have to take into consideration all the contextual factors. When I think about negotiating for yourself versus negotiating a deal, you know, two, two probably different sets of advice that I might give. But I think it's important to know, um, you know, know your worth and know what we talk a lot. um, If I go back to my business school days, you talk a lot about BATNA, your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. And basically what that's saying is it's getting you in a frame of mind where you kind of know what you're worth. You know what your alternatives are. And knowing that information, I think, just arms you to have a different kind of conversation. If you're having a conversation where the other person holds all the cards and you're sort of beholden to whatever it is that they're going to give you or not give you, that's just a different mental perspective than if you kind of have a good sense of what you're worth and have a good sense of what your alternatives are. Then you can kind of come to the table armed with a perspective to Really ask for what you want. And I mean, I think that's the that's the final component that we always talk about with women and negotiating, particularly for compensation is you won't get what you don't ask for. And so you have to ask for the raise. You have to ask for the job. You have to ask for the promotion because you're not going to get it if you don't ask.
0: That is such great advice. I like also the BATNA in the back pocket um, comment that you made there. That also was terrific. Amy, this has been such a great and insightful conversation. As we close out today, any last advice you want to give to the listeners of Inspiring Women?
1: I would say, you know one one thing that maybe I learned early on and maybe the hard way was just the value of authenticity. I do think that it can be hard, you know I, particularly when I was growing up in the industry, I, I thought I needed to act like a man in order to be taken seriously or in order to be successful. and it was like wearing somebody's clothes that just didn't fit. And so I think what I found over time was how important it was for me to be authentic and to figure out what I was uniquely good at, what I enjoyed doing and finding opportunities where I could do more of what I was good at and what I liked doing than what I wasn't good at and what I didn't like doing. So I think having the self-reflective moments of, hey, you know, here's where my strengths are, here's what I like to do. Now, how can I go find opportunities to put that to good use? I think that will afford people a lot more opportunities to just be authentically themselves. And when you're authentic, I think you can be really effective. So that's what I tell people a lot as it relates at least to authenticity.
0: Well, it certainly seems to be working, Amy. You have accomplished already so much in um, your tenure and I have really appreciated this conversation with Amy Christensen on Inspiring Women. Amy, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been an episode of Inspiring Women with Lori McGraw. Please subscribe, rate, and review. We are produced by Kate Cruz at Executive Podcast Solutions. More episodes can be found on inspiringwomen.show. I am Laurie McGraw, and thank you for listening.